Gender-neutral language was in the news. Uh, this past Wednesday, community members gathered outside a University of Toronto building to protest a series of lectures that were offensive towards trans and non-binary people. Professor Jordan B. Peterson received backlash on social media and through demonstrations for his opposition to Bill C-16. The bill aims to amend the Canadian Human Rights Charter Act to add gender identity and gender expression to the list of prohibited grounds of discrimination. Metro News Toronto quotes the professor as saying that there is insufficient evidence to support the idea of a gender spectrum and is refusing to recognize another person's right to determine the pronouns they wish to be addressed by. He holds that despite all of this, his views are not bigoted. But assigning gender to people does have real-life consequences. Earlier this year, a trans teen from South California, Southern California killed himself after being taunted by hospital employees who kept calling him a girl, despite having stated his identity as male. This week, the teen's mother has filed a civil lawsuit against the hospital, claiming medical personnel violated federal and state laws that protect against discrimination during Kyler's stay. And gender-neutral language has been making local news as well. Colin Palmer took a bit of heat this past week for comments he made at the UBCM conference in Victoria. It's an annual event where BC municipalities from all over the province come together and share their experiences and take a united position on different topics. District Director Colin Palmer was there and spoke against a measure to include gender-neutral language in local government. Well, I I object to sexism. I object to people uh, picking on people who have different genders, but I'm also concerned that people are trying to change the language that we all speak for the wrong reasons. There are people out there who are trying to find every word that begins with man, and they're trying to change it for Lord knows what reason. So you've got mandate, management, manipulate, mandible. I mean, they're all words that have everything to do with the Latin word manus. And I am sick and tired of people, unknown people, standing up in various places telling me that I have to speak a different way when they don't know what they're talking about. Right, so, so you're looking at the etymology of the words and, and saying that people's need to change those words doesn't reflect the history of those words and where they're coming from. Yeah, basically. they're literally trying to, these people are trying to rewrite the dictionary. Right. And I don't know who they are, and I don't know what their qualifications are, but it's ignorant. A lot of the people that are, are interested in, in changing words like, uh, well, for example, like manhole or, or alderman, feel those words exclude them, or feel the words could at least be more inclusive. Um, well, they don't, they, they don't know what they're talking about. That's my problem. They literally do not know what they're, what they're talking about. And then they're saying to me, you have, you have to change the word, and if you don't, there's something sexist about you, or, you know, you're not uh, appreci- you're not respecting other people with gender issues. And I'm saying I'm sorry. Uh, I just can't respect your views when you're trying to tra- change words that we all speak for the wrong reasons. So, for example, is another one. that people go out and man the fire truck. Well, that's got nothing to do with gender. But people use these phrases, they've used them for hundreds of years, and suddenly these unknown people are out there telling us, oh dear, it says man, we have to change that. Right, I mean, in in that case, a a word like staff is very easy to replace in, like, you know, staff the fire truck or staff a booth. Now, if... Yeah, but wait, just, just a minute, no, the reason is wrong. 
Right, although, you know, historically and even presently, uh, women are marginalized in the workforce. And I absolutely agree. Mm-hmm. And I also agree that it should be equal work for equal pay. I mean, there's a lot of abuse of women, and it has to stop. I agree with you. But I'm objecting to people who are changing the English language for gender reasons, when in actual fact, it's the derivation of the words that is important. I've got nothing against gender issues at all. At all. All I've got is a problem with people rewriting the dictionary for the wrong reasons. And CJMP also got in touch with Caroline Leishman, another director on the regional district board, to see how she felt about the opposition to using gender-neutral language. We are here with Caroline Leishman. Howdy. City councillor and also on the regional district board. Yes, correct. And we're, we're here today, we're talking about gender in language and policy that relates to that. So you're recently at the Union of BC Municipalities Convention. Yep. And, uh, and the resolution was put forth. Could you tell us a bit about that resolution as, as it relates to gender and language? Yeah, so um, yeah, it was a resolution put forward by Maple Ridge, and it was titled Gender Neutral Language. I'll just read the, the resolution, uh, which says, Whereas the use of gender neutral language is professionally accurate and respectful, allowing local governments to conduct their business in a manner that is inclusive of all members of their communities, And whereas the federal and provincial governments have already enacted policy to use gender-neutral language such as the federal plan for gender equality, therefore be it resolved that the provincial government be requested to require the use of gender-neutral language in local governments across British Columbia, bringing local governments in line with the provincial and federal standard of document and policy writing that recognizes the value of gender equality as recognized in the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. And it was endorsed by the Lower Mainland Local Government government association and it came forward and uh, yeah a lot of us thought it was kind of a no-brainer <laughs> it's already been done provincially and federally so a lot of people uh, maybe even thought it had already uh, been requested yeah. yeah because the federal and provincial government have already been going down this road and obviously we've been making great strides you know 30 years ago this kind of started where we started trying to be uh, more inclusive and recognize equal equality so yeah my mom was uh, was on council back in the 80s and actually she remembered when i was talking to her about it after she remembered being on council in the 80s when she was she was called an alderman and it, she said it used to bother her because she was a woman and she felt like why am I being called an alderman and back in 1990 uh, it was at the UBCM asked the provincial government to change the title of municipal elected officials from alderman to the gender neutral term councillor. Do you think it was a particularly difficult change to go from alderman to councillor? I really don't think it was. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of numbers, there's, what, 2,000 delegates at the convention? Yeah, somewhere? something like that, yeah. And, and not everybody goes to the resolution sessions. Right. It's very interesting, actually. But um, it is really important, I think, to participate in that part of it because you're voting as a delegate. You have to hold up your voting card. And, you know, it's... And you have that opportunity that if, if a resolution is going sideways, you have that opportunity to get up and speak at the pro mic or the con mic, in, either in favor or against. So how much opposition was there to the uh, the resolution about this gender neutral language? Well, n- not there was a couple of people and and initially when it it was one of those ones that in reading it you thought it was 
just going to pass. I didn't expect to hear a voice that I that was familiar to me at the con mic. So Area C Director Colin Palmer got up and spoke in opposition to it, which was shocking to me in a way. It was it was interesting to hear his opposition to it. Why is this an issue that's important for you? Well, it's, I mean, partly being a woman, I, I think that, you know, women would like to be seen on a level playing field as men. And being at the Union of BC Municipalities convention, I look around the room and there's a, I'm sorry to say it, but there's a lot of old white guys in the room. There still are. And there and that becomes an issue like we have we had a resolution last year about rape culture and trying to prevent rape culture there was a a resolution this year um about codes of conduct between counselors like with counselors and delegates of convention because there have been some kind of harassment between you know of usually men to women and um wanting to uphold codes of conduct between all delegates so um being a woman yeah i like to feel like I'm on a level playing field. And now, you know, in this day and age, I mean, there's a lot more, there's a lot more freedom of expression and people feeling like they have, they actually can now be free to be who they are. And, and sometimes that means actually feeling more comfortable being in a gender neutral environment and having people support that. So I'm, I'm absolutely all about us moving forward and trying to learn how to be more inclusive. And lastly, we got in touch with Aaron Innes, a local anti-oppression activist, to learn more about the importance of gender-neutral language and why this issue is important from a human rights perspective. It's important to me personally because I've spent my entire life being alienated from places that I want to be in and tasks that I want to do because of my gender. And, you know, in this particular circumstance, it's such a a simple change that makes such a big difference in the lives of so many people. All of the people that we see in public clutching their pearls about using gender-neutral language and how it's going to somehow destroy Western civilization to use gender-neutral language, because it's really going to destroy the language. Like, it's just the most ridiculous argument. These are people for whom gendered language isn't a barrier. You know, so from an anti-oppression perspective, if something is not a barrier for you, you don't get to speak on whether it's a problem or not. It's not a problem for you, so sit down. We're wanting to hear from the people for whom it is a problem, right? Um, And so it's interesting that it's always people who are not negatively affected by these things that are going out of their way to espouse opinions about them in public. You know, and I think that that's true for Colin Palmer. It's true for um, Professor Peterson at U of T. You know, if you are comfortable in your gendered pronouns and your gendered position in the world, no one is taking that away from you by asking you to also make space for people who need other pronouns and other positions. And it's just so incredible to me that people will persist in opposing something that doesn't negatively affect them but is negatively affecting other people every single day. You know, having to admit that there's something that you didn't think of is certainly not a level of harm that can be compared to 
the amount of harm that, for example, people who live outside of the gender binary experience in terms of violence and marginalization every day. And gender-neutral language is a really simple way to help break down the idea that someone who isn't male or female is abnormal, because that othering is one of the things that contributes to violence. So in the case of gender-neutral language, it's really an issue of, yeah, it sucks to be like, wow, I've been making a mistake for a really long time, and maybe that's a little bit embarrassing. But discomfort and violence are two very different things, and we can't keep privileging the comfort of people who are safe higher than the safety of people who are unsafe. I don't know if you're still recording or not, but something that I would like to say to Colin Palmer is that, you know, you can hold whatever opinions you want as a private citizen, but when you put your hand up and say, I would like to hold public office, you're agreeing to set aside your personal opinions and speak for the broader community. And he's not doing that in this case. And I'd like to thank Yandi Weiss for producing that segment and to remind everyone that the show will be available as a podcast.